Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you could come and join us together for worship, and we do trust and hope and pray that God will meet you where you are today and that he will speak to you in the ways um, that you, you need to hear from him today. And as I say that, uh, I have a story that I've got to share, and if you've seen it on Facebook, you're going to hear it again. Um, but this, this jacket that I'm wearing um, belonged to a man named Jim Roosh. And uh, Jim Roosh went to First Baptist Church in Seymour, in the, Seymour not Seymour, in St. Albans, other S, St. Albans, West Virginia. And uh, Jim would come in wearing this jacket. And, and those of you that, that know me, spoiler alert, I like bright colors. And I was in the red and green pants phase at the time. And so Jim would come in wearing this jacket, and I was like, Jim, man, your, pant, your, your jacket would go great with my pants. I'm going to have to get one of those. And he said, finally, one time, he said, you know what? One of these days, I'm going to give it to you. It's going to be in my will, and you're going to get my jacket. And then we're like, ha, 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 funny, funny, funny. And every time we'd see each other, he'd be like, Jeremy, you're one Sunday closer to getting my jacket. And so I left, and I, I forgot about it. It was no big deal. And uh, this has been an interesting week, and, and for all of us, it's been an interesting season. And uh, on, on Thursday, I think it was Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. I was having, Friday it was, I was having a, a, I was having a down day. I was a little bummed out. And uh, Pastor Nathan comes over and says, hey, I've got a package for you. It came to my house, which I used to live at. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder well, who would send something to that house for me. So I pop it open, and as soon as I open it, the I can see the, the colors of the jacket, and I knew what it was. And I was like, no way. I opened the, the letter, and it says from Janet, his, his widow, says, hey, Jim always really loved joking with you about this jacket. And as he was coming to the end, he really wanted to complete the joke. And so we wanted to send you the jacket. It's been cleaned, and it's ready to go. Do with it what you will. Jim really appreciated you and really wanted you to have this. And so I'm going to wear this jacket today because not only did it really lift my spirits, it's, what's interesting is that we're starting a series on Joseph. And Jim always called this his coat of many colors. Tell me that's not Jesus. And so, um, you know, God, God does have a, a sense of humor, and God knows what we need to, to hear from him. Sure, there's a part of that story that's really sad, but come on, four years later, that is hilarious that he held on to that for that long and wanted to, quote, quote, complete the joke. So much so that all of his family have reached out to me now, and they all were in on the joke, and were making sure that his wife followed through. Um, so I'm going to wear this jacket today with pride and with joy in my heart, and I hope it, it brightens your day a little bit too. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Lord, you, you do reach out to us in unexpected ways, in unexpected times. Lord, and often in times just when we need you, you are always right on time. And God, we thank you for that truth. God, as we come to your word, Lord, and as we consider the story of the life of Joseph, Lord, I pray that you would show us the ways that it parallels our own experiences today. And Lord, that we might find hope in Joseph's dreams, but also in Joseph's, diffi Joseph's difficulties. Lord, open our eyes and ears to hear what you would say to us today. Encourage our hearts and souls by the presence and power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, I shared in a recent blog, if you read my blog or you read the, the articles that are in the messenger or the articles that subsequently end up in the paper, um, I, I shared a story a couple weeks ago about my neighbor. And my neighbor, several months ago, I, I came out and we were both getting out of our car at the same time, getting ready to go into the house. And so wanting to be a good neighbor and reach out to the young guy living next door, I was like, hey, man, how's it going? 
And he looked over, he's like, oh, man, living the dream, one nightmare at a time. <laughs> and it was funny then, it's not as funny now. <laughs> it's not as funny now. That, that is my favorite. If you ask me how I'm doing, that is probably my, de- I have stolen from that from that young man. That is now my default response. How you doing? Living the dream, one nightmare at a time, just like everybody else. Is there anybody in the room that can, can relate to, to where I'm standing with that? Like, it, it is a difficult season of life. Th- things are not what we would expect them to be. You know, when, when I talked, if you remember back to the beginning of the year, I talked about the word of the year, and everybody was coming up with these great weird years, you know, words of the year. 2020 was going to be the year of clarity. 2020 was going to be the year of vision. 2020 was going to be the year of, of, of receipt. Like, how is that working out for you? When I, when I consider it 2020, I'm like trying to find a good word and trying to think of something good that we could do. Like, I'm thinking, you know, the year of boldness, the, the year of, you know, achievement, of, of greatness, of, you know, whatever. But I, I kept coming back to faithfulness. And, and I, I think back to that, and I'm like, that was an appropriate word. Looking at where we are and what we're going through, this, what, what we are facing right now, looking out for, for me in my own life, the dreams that I had when I came to First Baptist Church, as I look out at your demasked faces, this was not part of the dream. Th- this was not, like having every other row lined up, this was not part of the dream. Be- being unable to, to do visitation in hospitals and, and having to, to jump through hoops to do different services and things. That, that was not part of the dream. There are a great many things, and I won't lie to you, there are things that I hoped we would change, but this was not one of them. And I think if, if we all were to look at our lives and, and to take account or take stock of where we are, we, we would say, sure, we had dreams of where we would be in 2020, but this is not it. You know, sure, we're grateful that God is good. It, we're, we're, we're alive, we're, we're healthy, we're, we're able to meet together, there are blessings. I'm not trying, don't, don't misunderstand me, I'm not trying to discount the blessings that God has clearly given us. I'm not saying, uh, as you'll soon see, I'm not even saying that we should lament what we're facing and where we are. But, but I do think that this, this is often the pattern. I, 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 if we look at the different dreams, you know, when Martin Luther stood, Martin Luther King Jr. stood on the steps and said, I have a dream. That dream just didn't all of a sudden come to being, right? Like, it wasn't like I had the dream, and dream is here. Look how easy that was. There was a lot of difficulty that he had to went through and to go through in order to bring about even a portion of that dream, and the fact is it cost him his life. Think even about our American dream, right? The, 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 the pursuit of, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like, that, that's something that we think of. But how did we get to the point where, where we have our Constitution that we can complain about it being infringed upon? People had to die for that. And and I think even about Joseph. One of the things I think that's so interesting about Joseph is we have this penultimate account of someone who is the dreamer, right? He is the biblical dreamer, and he has the dream. and, And we like to think about how he achieved it, but think about all the difficulty that Joseph had to go through on the path to getting to the dream. It wasn't dream, dream achieved. It was dream, nightmare, nightmare, nightmare dream achieved. I think that's often the case for us. And I, I want us to consider the life of Joseph and the way that, that, that oftentimes the, the dreams that turn into nightmares for us in our lives are often the very tool that God uses 
to put us in place to receive the dream he has for us in the end. Let's look and let's start with Joseph, Joseph here at the beginning. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today. Genesis 37, 1 through 11. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bela and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind or peaceful word to him. But Joseph had a dream. And when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well and as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now Joseph has this dream at the beginning, and, and Joseph, Joseph gives us some, some things that, that we need to keep in mind, that we, things that we need to develop in our own lives if we are going to be able to, to make it our way through the difficulty of life. Uh, Joseph demonstrates three keys, if you will, to carry us through difficult days ahead. Joseph demonstrates three keys to carry us through the days ahead. Let's look at the, what they are. What, what are the things that we see in Joseph that sets us up for who Joseph is going to be in the midst, because who he is by 17, and who we see here is, is amplified in the darkness that Joseph faces later. First thing that we see is Joseph demonstrates character. Joseph demonstrates character. Now, now Joseph is the, the, the second youngest son of Jacob, or Israel. You notice in the passage that both names are used, that, that Jacob is used and Israel is used, Israel being the name that God gave Jacob, um, after he'd been out in the wilderness doing his thing and, and got married and was coming back, and Jacob being the name he was given at birth. And we see in the text that Joseph is sent into the fields with the sons of the two handmaidens, Bela and Zilpah, right? It's not, it's not the sons of Leah, and his brother Benjamin is clearly back at home, but he's sent out into the field with the, the, the sons of these two handmaidens. He's currently only 17 years old, which would have been just shy of adulthood in our culture. And even in Eastern cultures today, it's still considered exceptionally young. That 17 would be a very, that's not an adult. He is, the, the reason they're naming, mentioning that is that he's just a kid. And he's the kid brother of all the kids. 17 years old, he wasn't, he wasn't fit for, for leadership or, or ruling at that point in time. And so he should be shepherding. And we, but we see that Joseph goes out to the field, and Joseph, when he comes back after the day's work, brings back a bad report to his father concerning his brothers. Now, we've got to wonder, why is it that Joseph brought this bad report back? 
What was it that spurred this on? Like, there are several different options at play here, aren't there? First, this could just be the quintessential example of the punk younger brother stirring trouble with the older siblings. Any of us that have younger siblings know what this is all about. Like, I'm telling mom. Anybody that has younger siblings, you know, if that younger sibling gets in trouble themselves, knows how that's like. Because they want to do anything they can to amplify the wrong you've done, to minimize the wrong they've done. So is Joseph just that punk kid brother that's looking out for his own best interest and going back and saying, I'm telling dad. You ain't doing what you're supposed to out in the field. Mm, I'm telling. Is Joseph maybe an opportunist? Remember, it's a different day. Joseph is just coming to that age where he understands the reality of hierarchy and he understands the reality of the oldest being being set to rule. Is Joseph just trying to increase his position politically, if you will, so that one day when dad is gone, Joseph has, has brought himself, elevated his status. Is Joseph simply saying bad things about his brothers in order to make himself look better? Is he trying to, to supplant his brothers? That would actually make sense if you think about the family tradition of Jacob. Like the name Jacob itself, Jacob being Joseph's father. Jacob means to to supplant, to circumvent, to assail, to overreach. And, And he was given that name because... As Esau was coming out, Jacob reached around him to get out out of the womb first. And Jacob lived up to that name, supplanting Esau at every turn, stealing his blessing from him, you know, working the way to get the birthright from him, from a dirt cheap for a bowl of soup. He earned that name by playing both his brother and his father's father for fools. It's a family tradition. It would totally make sense. It, nobody would be surprised that this story would have gone on, and it would have just been that Joseph was just trying to get ahead. He was trying to work the system to get his way up the family ladder, if you will. Or, is Joseph just a kid of exceptional character and integrity who cannot abide wrong being done? I gotta say, given the trend that we see in the life of Joseph in subsequent passages, wisdom would lean towards this one. That Joseph just had incredible integrity. That Joseph, Joseph had a really bad habit of doing the right thing. That Joseph was, was un, unable to abide wickedness around him. That Joseph had to stand up for the truth when he saw it. It's quite possible and even likely, given what comes next in the text, that Joseph has actually been sent to the field to watch his brothers. There are some that would say the better translation of this text is that Joseph went into the field to shepherd his brothers. That the only reason that Joseph is out there in the first place is to babysit big brother. I know this used to happen back in the day. My grandmother used to talk about when she would go on dates when when she was a young girl, that she was not always the most trustworthy individual in the world. And so that that what the parents would do is they would send a kid brother or sister with them to watch over them as a chaperone because they knew that if anything happened, little brother or sister were going to come back and they'd be willing to tell them what happened. Now that's not quite the same as the first thing. It's different to say, I'm going to send you because you're just a tattletale and you're a punk. And another thing altogether, the, the thing is we think of Joseph as being there being a huge age disparity here, but we don't actually see that in the text. But Joseph is sent 
to watch over his brothers. And Joseph spoke the truth, and we're going to see continuing on that Joseph speaks the truth and demonstrates leadership, even though he, even when he could go with the flow and it would make life easier. And Joseph demonstrates exceptional character, and, and I, as you and I go through difficult times, as you and I go through the even the 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 humdrum of every day. It takes character to endure. It takes character to, to stay on the straight and narrow. It takes character to, to continue to do the right thing even when it's not the most popular thing around us. And I don't care how old you are. That doesn't get any easier. There is always a draw within us to do what is expedient, to do what is efficient, to do what is most effective, even if it's not what is right. Joseph, however, stands up and does what's right. Joseph demonstrates character. Second, Joseph demonstrates competence. Joseph demonstrates competence. Competence is the quality or state of having sufficient knowledge, judgment, skill, or strength for a particular duty or task. Now, why do I say that? Why do I just say that, why do I say that Joseph is competent? Why do I, why do I lend towards the side that Joseph is probably out in the field to watch over his brothers. What makes me think that Joseph was already at 17 demonstrating exceptional leadership qualities? Well, he had a coat of many colors. That's not, that's not what we think it is. We read that and we just think, wow, that is, that is favoritism of the worst kind. And, and there's an extent to which that is right. You would think that Jacob would have learned through the negative things that happened with, with him and Esau. That this whole trying to choose the heir apparent early didn't work out very well. But here we see Jacob doing exactly what his parents had done. The, the, the coat of many colors was actually more than a sign of affection. It, it was a sign of authority. Throughout the East... There's historical evidence that tribal leaders wore ornate, long-sleeved cloaks as a sign of their position. Th think about it. One, what had Joseph and his brothers gone out to the field to do? Someone tell me. What was their, what was their job? They're shepherds. Like how many of you, if you know that you're going to go down for a day at the farm, are going to throw on your suit? How many of you, if you know for you're going for a day at the farm, you're going to put on your nicest dress? Most of us don't, right? Like we're going to put on a comfortable t-shirt, maybe some jeans and some work boots. But we see Joseph being sent out to the field in an ornate, colorful, multi-fabriced garment that, that even had gold, they believe it had gold inlaid charms on it. One doesn't wear a cloak like that with long sleeves and go chase sheep. It's not efficient or effective for the job. That, that coat was a sign. It was a sign to the brothers and to everybody else in the community that, that should anything happen to Jacob, that Joseph was the chief in waiting. That Joseph was the chief in waiting. Even though he's the second youngest, Joseph has demonstrated such qualities and character, characteristics that Joseph has elevated him to the position of heir apparent. Now, interesting thing about the translation. One of the things that, that could possibly speak into this. 
that I found interesting was this. Is it says in, in verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. Has anyone ever read that, knowing the account of Joseph and Jacob, and thought, what does that mean? Because one would think that that would mean that Joseph was born to Joseph at the oldest point, but he wasn't. Remember, Jacob has a younger brother named Benjamin. So truly, truly, the son of Jacob's old age is Benjamin. So what could this mean? What could it mean that that Joseph is his son born to him of old age. Well, they, they, actually, they actually add a word. Sometimes when you're doing translation, there are certain words missing. And so you have to take the, the Hebrew or the Greek and the English, and you have to insert different pronouns and things. So in this case, they've, they've inserted his, that Joseph was his son of old age. What it actually reads in the Hebrew is Joseph was the son of old age. There are scholars that actually believe that what this possibly means is that Joseph was an old soul. You, we all know it because you've heard it. First of all, just full disclosure, I think that this is generally overused statement. But you've heard someone say this. Oh, well, Susie, she, she's just a very mature kid for her age. Johnny, he just, he's, he's just very capable for his age. There are many who believe that this is a cultural equivalency of that. That they're looking and saying, well, Joseph was just an incredibly mature young man, and he was given a coat of many colors to indicate position and leadership because he was very competent. He was the most qualified of all of his brothers. It kind of brings to mind the, the parable of Jesus, that, that Joseph, even at a young age, is, is, is developing and using what the good Lord had given him. And, and Joseph, or Jacob, is seeing a trajectory in his life that he's saying, I need to move this along. I need to encourage these abilities. It reminds us the, of the parable of Jesus, where, 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 where the servants are given different abilities. And as the master comes back, he sees that servants have, have used those different abilities to differing degrees. And depending on, on the degree, that they, they are advanced or not. And it makes me think that in our own lives, God has given us gifts. God has given you gifts and abilities. Whatever the, the, the time that we're in, the, the, the circumstances that we face, the struggles that are before us, even the dreams that are in our mind, those aren't what should determine what it is that we're doing with our giftings. We should always be doing the best we can with all that we have because we have been entrusted with those abilities and resources for the glory of God. So whatever the gifting is that's in you, you need to, you need to, to work. We need to continue to put effort in to, to increase our competency in those areas. We shouldn't just excuse our, our, our ineffectiveness because, oh, it's just, it's just difficult right now. Don't get me wrong. I know that we all have bumps along the way. That's true. But at some point, we've got to get up, dust ourselves off, and keep moving on. Life doesn't stop. Because life is difficult. We need to take what the good Lord gave us and use it to the best of our ability. Make some lemonade out of those lemons. Joseph demonstrates competence. Joseph also demonstrates courage. Doing the right thing doesn't always bring desirable results. Doing the right thing doesn't always bring desirable results. We struggle with that 
Because we like to think, and we, we watch these movies and these fairy tales that tell us that even if we, if we do the right thing, it might be difficult for a while, but eventually it'll all turn out okay. But sometimes that difficulty just goes a little bit too long for us, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And, and then the courage begins to wane in us, and we begin to shut it down. The character, character and integrity tend to elevate those who have it and irritate those who don't. And so if we're going to be people of character and people who live in our competencies, not everybody's going to love that. We see Joseph standing firm in what's right, even when it's not popular and brings negative consequences. It tells us in the text multiple times, multiple times it tells us that his brothers hate him. They hate him because of the favor Jacob has shown him. Surely they resent him for selling them, them out. Joseph surely could have used maybe a little, I'll, I'll own, that Joseph probably could have used a little bit more discernment in how and when he shared his dream. I love that when I told, when I, just reading the scripture, I read the story of Joseph's dream, and I could hear some people over here go, oh, <laughs> We know, what, we know that that's right, like, right? Like if someone came to us and told us that dream, hey, one of these days I'm going to come in and y'all going to bow before me. Isn't it great? Not, no. Not, not at all. Like your dream is my nightmare. Brothers hate him. And the days that lie ahead of Joseph are going to require even more courage to stand up for what's right than what he's demonstrated thus far. Our lives, if we are going to follow Christ, if we are going to be the people of God, it's going to, everything is not going to always be rosy and peachy. Everything is not going to always be easy. Everything is not always going to be crystal clear. Everything's not always going to be happy-go-lucky. There are going to be times where it's going to take courage as we go into difficulty headlong and, and we stand firm, resolved, and we do what we know we need to do. We do what we should do because that is what's right, even though it's not easy. Did God not tell Joshua as they entered the land of promise to achieve the dream that they'd striven after for so long, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. I think we need to be reminded of that today. I know I need reminded of that today. Because for me, sometimes after all of these months of all of the difficulty and discouragement, sometimes my courage is low. And my resolve to stand isn't, isn't depleted just, it isn't depleted because I lacked char like character or integrity. I just I just don't have the energy anymore. It's hard for us to, to find the strength to stand firm as the storm rages around us. But we see Joseph developing these character qualities, even in, in the small difficulties of family turmoil. And what we're going to see continuously as we go through the rest of Joseph's life is that those, those foundations that were laid back when he was on the farm with his brothers, are what keeps him as he faces even greater struggles in the house of Pharaoh. We see Joseph, beyond having demonstrating these three characteristics, we see that Joseph was given great dreams for the future. I put it in the, the notes that Joseph had big dreams for the future, but as I was like mowing my lawn yesterday, I kept thinking about that for whatever reason, and I didn't like the terminology. 
It wasn't that Joseph just went to sleep and he himself had dreams. These dreams that Joseph had were given to him. This, this wasn't just Joseph ate some, some bad grain one night and this just passed through his mind. And Joseph's like, whoa, this is crazy. Can you believe I had this dream? These dreams have elements in them that the only way that Joseph could have dreamed about them is if God put them into his head. Joseph was given dreams for the future. Now, something interesting that I hadn't noticed until beginning studying for this is that throughout the story of Joseph, dreams come in pairs. Dreams come in pairs. We, we see here in Genesis 37, Joseph has two dreams. In Genesis chapter 40, we'll see that there's the dream of the cupbearer and the dream of the baker. And in Genesis 41, we'll see the two dreams of Pharaoh. There, there's a couplet, dreams, these two dreams that, that kind of build upon one another and reinforce what God is doing and how he's doing it. Now, Joseph's dreams are informed by his reality, but they point beyond it. They are informed by his upbringing and the things that he's faced as a youth, but they point beyond it. First, in verse, verses 6 through 7, it says that he said to him, Joseph said, Listen, I had this dream. And we were out binding sheaves of wheat out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood above, uh, upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now this is, this is interesting. This passes right by us as we read it. We're like, oh yeah, farming metaphor makes sense. Joseph's a farmer, but he's not. Joseph is a shepherd. Shepherds, shepherds didn't farm. They were nomadic. They, they moved to wherever there was grass. They, they were cowboys of the day. And so they would move wherever there was, wherever they could feed their, their sheep, and they would go there. So, so when you read that Joseph has this dream about these sheaves of wheat, there is, there is a sense of shock in this because Joseph's like, what, what is this about? I had this dream, and like there, there were these, we gathered these, this, this wheat stuff together, and we bound it up, but mine stayed up, and yours bowed down. That's crazy, isn't it, guys? It actually is kind of crazy. This is much like a farmer from Indiana that does soybeans and corn their whole life saying, so listen, guys, I had this dream the other day. I, you know, normally I farm in the flats of Indiana, and I do soybeans, and I do corn, but I had this dream, and, and, and we were out in the hills of India, and there were these tea bags that we had all created, and my tea bag was like all standing up, and yours all bowed before. That's crazy, isn't it? Like, yes, it is. Why would Joseph dream about wheat? It's not something he had anything to do with. Verse 8, it goes on, the brothers, the brothers hate him. No interpretation is, is given for the dream at, at, at its core because none is needed. They, they can pick up what Joseph is laying down. That one day I'm going to be in charge. And they know this to be true because Jacob has already declared it to be true. Dream 2, verse 9. Not only are, are the brothers bowing down, but now the sun and the moon as well. It says the sun and the moon and the stars were all bowing down to Joseph. Now they would have had, they would have had understanding of sun and moon and stars, and those things would have been part of their life. But they were not significant. Whereas there's coming a time and a place where the sun and the moon are the ultimate God and goddess. And the stars determine all of reality. You, you, know, you know what's crazy about these dreams? These dreams won't fully make sense to Joseph until he's experiencing them. Because they all of the symbols that are talked about right here point forward to Egypt. They're all things that were significant, 
not to where Joseph was, but to where Joseph was going. Interesting thought here for us. When we have dreams, we think they're for right now. We have dreams, and, and, and they're, they're more hopes because we just want them right now. And we don't think when we're having the dreams about the fact that they might actually be for somewhere else. That, that, that there's, there's probably more involved in it than what we understand right now. I don't know what dreams that God has put in your heart, but I'm, I'd venture a guess that coming into the world that we're in and understanding what I do about Acts, that, that, that we as God's people are going to have dreams. And you may have dreams in your heart and things that you were hoping and things that maybe you even felt that God had placed on your heart. And you look at where you are right now and you're like, this doesn't make any sense for right here and right now. I don't get this. I can't do that here. That type of thing doesn't work now. And God's saying, just wait. I know you're having the dream here. And it doesn't make a lot of sense in the time you're in. But in the place you're going, it's going to make perfect sense. And it's going to show up in perfect time. And you're going to be perfectly equipped for what I am calling you to do. Hold on to those dreams that God has for you. Continue developing your character, your abilities, your competence. And stand firm with courage because the dream you are having today, God, if he has placed it on your heart, he will bring it to fruition. His brothers are incredibly jealous again because they know that this dream is going to come to pass if something doesn't change. Notice, notice that Joseph protests in public, that he calls Joseph out in front of his brothers, but then it says his brothers envied him, but Jacob held it in his heart. Jacob, as the loving father, looks at him and says, I kind of hope it's true. His brother's like, we got to do anything we have to to stop this. Not everyone is going to share our enthusiasm for the dreams that God gives us. There are some that will think it's just crazy. There are some that will think it's straight up insolent. There will be some that just don't care. Oh, sure, there will be some that, that want to get on board, and there will be many that will cheer us on and will even help us on our way. But, but may we be careful when we're evaluating the dreams that we see in the lives of others, that we're not the ones that are inspired to envy, to discord, or, or even hatred. You know, the, this, this, this spot here where the brothers hate their brother and cannot even speak a peaceable word to him, it kind of foreshadows about what's about to come, doesn't it? Didn't, didn't, didn't John tell us in 1 John that, that if you hate your brother, you've murdered them in your heart? That Jesus also warned that, that holding anger, anger and hatred in our heart towards, uh, towards others puts us on, on the, the verge of judgment. That if you hate your brother or you call him a fool, that, that, you are, that you are standing on the very precipice of judgment. But doesn't it make sense? Because where, where does the ill in our lives come from but a place of anger and jealousy and wrath? The brothers really could have used this warning. Because what we're going to see as we go on next week is that, that this hatred and this envy that they hold in their hearts causes these brothers 
to perpetuate an incredible evil upon their brother. They had to stop the grain. Now, one part of this is, is a, a reminder that we're going to see over and over again as we look to Joseph, that nothing is wasted with God. That the everyday and the ordinary that we experience often plays a part in preparing us for the incredible things God wants to do in and through us in the future. But it's also a warning that we don't look with jealousy or envy at the good things that are happening in the lives of others and allow that to cause us and inspire us to do evil, to think evil, to speak evil. May, may we be like Joseph's father and hold it in our hearts. Consider what God might be doing and how he might be moving and not like the brothers who envy him and want to do whatever they can to stop it and to put themselves in a position. Again, interesting thought that God provides these elaborate dreams but fails to elaborate on the path to get there. We know that Joseph's dream ultimately, spoiler alert, will come true. Pretty much exactly as he said it, for the very thing that he visioned. One day his brothers will bow before him, and the irony of all ironies is that they come to get wheat. They come to get grain. You have to wonder if Joseph, as he went through all of that he went through, if he ever gave up on his dreams. As we see as Joseph is accused of a horrible crime, did Joseph say, there's no way I'm getting there now? As Joseph sat in an Egyptian jail, did, did, did he think, there's no way? After the hope of, of having the chance to possibly get out and being forgotten, did Joseph again just say, I just give up? The truth is that Joseph would be tested along the way. The psalmist says, God called down famine on the land and destroyed their supplies of food, and he sent a man before them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, now they bruised his feet with shackles, his neck was put in irons, till what he foretold came to pass, till the word the Lord of the Lord proved him true. The passage tells us, the psalmist tells us that, hey, hold on, remember that Joseph himself was given a grand dream, but he had to suffer, he had to struggle before he received it. The question that we have to ask as we look at Joseph's dream here at the beginning and as we consider all that Joseph is going to go through, the question that at least came to my mind is this. What if today's hardships are the means God is using to prepare us to realize tomorrow's dreams? What if today's hardships are the means God is using to prepare us to realize tomorrow's dreams? I know to some extent, the difficulties of the day are something that God is using to affirm something we talked about at the beginning of the year. The great thing about faithfulness or being faithful is it's not contingent upon circumstances or surroundings. You, being faithful just requires doing what you were told regardless of the circumstances. But at the same time, the difficulty that we face does not necessarily keep us from moving into the future God has for us. And sometimes it's just the path. I know that in my own life, some of the hardest things that I've faced in my life are the very things that brought me to where I am today. And I know, having talked to many of you, that there are many in this place right now that would say, 
that thing that I faced back there, I thought that it was going to stop me. I thought that it was going to be the thing that shut me down. But that thing I faced there, it was actually the thing that made me qualified to do what I'm doing right now. What's of note or noteworthy to me is how, how quickly we forget that when we're in the difficult time again. We, we, we forget about the difficulty we faced back then that God used to bring about the dream we had before. Now all we can think about is the dream that we had for now that isn't coming about. And God's saying, hey, 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 hold on. That dream is still good. You just got to walk through some difficulty to get there. The struggle is real, folks. I, I'm, I'm tired of trying to ignore that it's there. It is, it, these are difficult days. A little bit easier than maybe they were a couple months ago, but, but we don't know what's coming next. Maybe it's not as dark as it was, but it's still hazy. And God's saying, still, trust me. Trust me. I gave you the dream, and I'm going to help you achieve it. I gave you the skill, and I'm going to allow you to use it. You need to hold on. Be courageous. Continue to stand up, to stand firm in your character with integrity based upon what you know of who I am and what I've required. And know that what I've promised, I will bring about. What I have placed in your heart, I will bring to fruition. We're going to see that in the life of Joseph. And I would argue that if you and I are faithful and we continue to follow God, we will see that to be true in our life. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and, lo and love for us. Lord, I thank you for the story of Joseph. Lord, I thank you for the dreams that you have given us, each of us here today. Some of us have dreams that we have dreams that, that bring us together, and some of us have dreams that are different. They're separate. But Lord, whatever the case may be, you have put abilities in our lives, and you have put dreams in our hearts, and I pray that you would give us the courage to continue to pursue them. God, I pray that you would help us to be men and women of integrity, that even when it doesn't make sense that we would continue to be faithful to your call, that we would continue to follow the light of your love, even in dark and difficult days, that we would stand firm, knowing that he who has placed the dream in our heart will bring it about. God, encourage our hearts right now in Jesus' name.